you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Check football program available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to the Dave Damashek football program, available as always on iTunes and at nfl.com slash Sheck. We got a full boat here in Studio 66. We'll introduce them in just a second. Real quick, uh, a quick promotion for our most recent podcast a couple of days ago with Ross Tucker of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. We kibitzed with him, the former offensive lineman, played with so many great guys during his, what was it, six or seven years in the NFL. He spins a wonderful yarn about Tom Brady's beer-chugging prowess. You want to hear that for sure. And then also we kibitz with James Jones, the wide receiver of the Packers, and maybe a new NFL team coming up in, the, in a matter of days or weeks here. He talks all about free agency, as well as he is the latest subject of Adam Rank's uh, you know, either or little quiz that he likes to give people. He talks about Aaron Rodgers versus Brett Favre on a number of different levels, like which is more likely to pick up a big uh, restaurant bill, things like that. Speaking of Adam Rank, let's uh, say hello to him right now, seated to my immediate right from NFL.com and NFL Network. What's the poop, fella? Hey, boss. Thanks for having me. Sure. And speaking of people who could be changing or will definitely be changing teams, Devin Hester. Sat down with me for a little Explain Yourself, which should be coming out on NFL.com hopefully soon. Somebody's working on it right now, and I was bummed. You go through his tweets and ask him we what do, gives yeah. with this and what that. Gives? Right. What gives? He follows a lot of Cowboys. Obviously, he grew up a huge Cowboys fan. I did say one thing to him. I said, hey, you know what? I, I understand the business of the NFL. You've got to go someplace. Got to move on. I said, you know, we're just talking to a couple of guys. And I said, whatever you do, just don't, don't go to the Packers. 
Like, I wouldn't appreciate that. And he's like, oh, they're in the mix. I'm like, I don't like this attitude of these guys just going anywhere. They're a go division to, rival. I'm like, See? we just go. Brad Favre made it right for made it all right for everybody. All just right. go to the pa- or the Buccaneers and be done with it. Speaking of the Packers, a man who this week on NFL.com has a piece up announcing what he considers the all-time greatest Packers lineup, both sides of the ball and probably special teams, too. Here he is, everybody, his absence. It's been too long from uh, from Studio 66 since his shadow found the door, and now he's back. It's Elliot Harrison. What's the poop with you, fella? I, I hate to tell you, Chris Jackie did not make the uh, Packers all-time team. Uh, we're going to get into it. it I want to kibitz with you about one thing, and in fact, Black Tie has a black list coming up in a little bit here. One issue, I saw some of your team. And you have Bart Starr ahead of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it in a little bit here. I disagree with that. And also, rounding out the group here in 66, all the way from England, here he is, everybody. It's Handsome Hank. He's Handsome Hank. He's Handsome Hank. He's Handsome Hello, Handsome. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Thank you, Dave. And I don't have anything to promote. I'm not no. like you guys who are creators. <laughs> Shills. Well, no, I, th- I think of you guys as creators. But I want to tell you all about, obviously, um, free agency begins in a couple of days. Elliot Harrison has done an amazing job th- over the last week doing a piece daily on the division-by-division division free agency needs. I advise everyone to go and check that out. Then our friends at the Around the League who have their own podcast, which isn't as good as this one. No, indeed. They have <laughs> been doing a position-by-position position free agency ranking and some other stuff. It's super. If you want to get ready for free agency, NFL.com is the place to be. Oh, see, now we and now I'll, everyone's a shill Everyone's a shill now. Terrific. I'll shill even more. I'm going to have some predictions on free agency coming this week. All right. If we're going to keep going, I'll Please. go. Guess what's going to be up by Thursday night? Is my interview with one Aaron Paul, star uh, of Fast and Furious? Uh, wait, wait, not that's, fast. that's a winner. That's Need for much. Speed. Need I for said, speed. I said, I, I said Fast and Furious. I mean, Close Need enough. for Speed. We kibitzed. We did a couple of movie scenes together. We, you know, we, we ran some dialogue. It was it was thrilling stuff. I encourage you, Nade the Man, that you check that out. All right, before we get into the blacklist, uh, black tie behind the glass, real quick, a couple of things that we have to kibitz about. First of all, True Detective, the big finale. Is coming up. What are you shrugging your shoulders about, Black Tie? What are you so upset about? I just know you, and I've got a lot of tweets lately. People saying, "Please tell Darushik to stop with the True Detective." All right, we're going to push that to the Why? end. We'll What's do that. Handsome and I will kibitz later about it. I did get an interesting uh, Twitter question, though. You can find me at Damashek if you wish from at uh, Soundtrack Seven One Six. If Damashek and Handsome Hank were in True Detective, which would be Hart, which is uh, the um, Woody the Woody Harrelson character, and which one would be Rust Cole, Matthew McConaughey's character? Handsome, how do you feel? I actually replied to that particular tweet and said I thought we would both be lost era Rust Cole, <laughs> which is the the, the, of boozy. Ten, the ten years that are roughly unaccounted for, uh, where he goes from um, sharp detective to um, uh, lost um, kind of <laughs> drunken vagabond. soul. Drinks yeah. at 12 when yeah. it's off day. Yeah. That's exactly. Oh, look who's been getting caught. Well, I'm, I'm, episode Black one. Guy. Episode one. I'm picking up on a few things. What do you mean? What do you mean? Oh. Drinks at 12 at noon? At noon. Yeah. Yeah. What's wrong with that? Right. But there's on nothing wrong with day. that. I am On your that. off day, I'm, I'm boozing by 10 because I only, because I got up at 945. Don't get fired, Rick. What? <laughs> Why can't I do that? Why can't I have a mimosa on my day off? A mimosa. I love that. That's <laughs> as I didn't know that was your drink of choice on your off day. Of course. Yeah. Good I'm for refined. you. I'm refined. All right. Listen. We'll kibitz about all of it, 
And I hope one of your blacklist questions, Black Tie, is what is because it is Girl Scout cookie season. And I love to have the conversation annually. What's the best? Maybe that will find its way onto your blacklist. Thin mints is the right answer, period. I, yes. Honestly, I agree with that. The, the crunch of Thank thin you. mints, it's a little bit disconcerting. That's why you go short What do you bread. mean? Uh, there's something. Crunch of it. Do you ever bite into a thin mint? It's crunchy. Yeah, it's a cookie. I know. What's I it know. supposed to be? Like pudding? Yes, like pudding. I don't know. What do you what do you want it to be? It's it's, it's got a little crunch ever, to it. Have you ever had a shortbread cookie? Now that's sure. a proper simple, proper the way a cookie but should be. But you wouldn't be. get shortbread from Girl Scouts. Why not? Because that's not the best shortbread. Now handsome Hank makes his own shortbread and it's divine. Well, of course. Well, okay, if you want to come over to my house with a wagon full of shortbread cookies, I'll be <laughs> I'll happy do that to, for you. I'll be happy to take them off your hands, but I'll until that, that time you. I'm gonna have to take them from the Girl Scouts. Speaking of eating a lot of cookies, um, there's a video based on Elliot Harrison's uh, aforementioned piece about the greatest all-time Packers team. Not, And this isn't by year. It's individual player selections by position. Um, I think you know what I'm talking about. The I dug up. I thought, this seems familiar to me. And I went on NFL.com and I, and I searched for it. I found the video that Rank and I did with Lindsey Rhodes, <laughs> the former Mrs. So the former Miss Soto. I wasn't in that video. Rank and I I, I defended. I did my all-time Steelers team. This is right in front of the Steelers and Packers Super Bowl three years ago. Right. I d- I made my case for what the roster of the Steelers would look like. Rank did the Packers, and we said we debated who would win it. It's a ten-minute-long video, and Rank is positively unrecognizable. And it's really, if you're glass half full or glass half empty, I say kudos to you, sir, because you look unrecognizable in a good way. Now, if you were thin like this back then, I wouldn't bring it up. Right. If you had let yourself go to that degree, <laughs> I have no recollection of you looking like that. Maybe, you know what, Black Tie, let's put that on the blog page. Oh, jeez. I'm going to put that on the blog page. I'm going <laughs> to put yeah, that up there. You... I am. It's, I'm going to put the whole video up. It's still interesting. It's not like many of the pieces have changed over the last three years, and we're basically talking about two of the all-time great teams. You went with Bart Starr. I feel I went with Bart Starr. You yeah. and you and uh, Elliot Harrison park your yeah. cars on the same garage, and you're both wrong on that. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yes, in fact, yes, we'll get are. to it. We'll get to that in just a minute here. But anyway, so we'll put that video up. But yes, bottom line, thin mints is the way to go. As I said on the last podcast, Samoas are I these agree. new Tampa Bay you know Buccaneer you uniforms. Said, as you said on the last podcast, can we move on? No, I'm saying <laughs> it again in case people missed it. A Samoa cookie is like these new Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniforms, which is to say they have everything. They, they, they jam too much in. The Buccaneers uniforms have red, they have black, they have orange, they have pewter. Who are you trying to please? Everybody. When you try to please everybody, you end up pleasing nobody. That's what the Samoa does. Oh, I like it. It has coconut. It has mush. It has pudding in it. It has chocolate. It has nuts. It has, yeah, what doesn't it have? Outside of some pepperoni, what are you lacking? Of course, it tastes fine because you put everything into it. It's garbage. It's a garbage tactic. There's no finesse, and I poo-poo it, and I say get yourself a Thin Mint, and as I do every year, I'm going to give you this little bit of advice. Take yourself some Thin Mints, crush them up a little bit, add a little bit of vanilla ice cream. You've just stamped your ticket to Cloud 9. All right. Hey, now, Dave, one thing on that. Yes. Thin Mints, you know, that thin, that, that doesn't mean they're diet. And I think that not. might be why what? you've taken some of what Adam had I know. I know. I did earlier in the week on uh, Total Access on on uh, NFL Network. I went out there with the uh, with the handsome, the beautiful Dan Helly, 
And, I mean, listen. He's a it, looker. Yeah, he's, he's a, a looker. looker. So in sharp relief, there stood uh, pot-bellied, pie-faced Damashek. <laughs> it was humiliating. Thin mint face. I better cut out the thin mints yeah. and a bunch of other things, too. The I better No too. mimosas at 10 a.m. for Damashek going forward here. All right, Black Tie, start it up. The Black Tie reads current events. Damashek and Wank, if they come in. The All right, guys. Uh, Adrian Peterson sent out a tweet, and he goes, "At Michael Vick, we'll make the Vikings instantly play of contention." That's not right? what he said. What is that what he said? If you're going to say it, if you're going to read the tweet, uh, read it properly. No, 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 no. Let's be nice. He did, he spelled instantly. Wrong. Well, he did. Spell he wrote it intently. Wrong. He, he said he right intently. Yeah. Michael Vick would make the Vikings out. intently a playoff team. I'm sorry. I listen. I'm sorry. I must did not intend I have... to make it before. <laughs> Yeah. Sure played like it last year. <laughs> All right, so leading off that tweet, guys, I asked if Vic does end up with the Vikings, a Vic and Adrian Peterson backfield duo will be the dash best QB slash running back duo in the league. So you're doing this as a fill, fill in, in the, the blank. blank. Yeah, and I give you options. I'll give you options. A-Rod and Eddie Lacy, you guys have been talking about the Please, on this podcast, please, the only real rule we have Rogers, is no jive, but it, a, a little... A little one is, you don't call Aaron Rodgers A-Rod. That's Fair a enough. terrible nickname. Jay Cutler, Matt Forte, okay. Nick Foles, Vic's former club, and, and LaShawn McCoy, Shady. Russell Wilson, my main man, and uh, Marshawn Lynch. So there's a few options. Where would Vic and Russell Adrian Wilson Peterson and, rank? I'll start with rank. How say you? I'd put, I, I'd put Russell Wilson and uh, Marshawn Lynch ahead of them. I'd put Rodgers and... Lacey ahead of him, and I'd even put Cutler and Forte ahead of him. I think you just named the number one. Lacey is a rookie, dynamite, and Aaron Rodgers, to me, is the best quarterback in the NFL. So, of course, I'll take that one. They're, the, I, they're the third best in that division. That's how, I mean. Right. Stafford and you go Bush, Bush, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's almost a push. Yeah, you could even say they're fourth. I certainly don't think that Mike Vick would turn that into a playoff team. But, you know, then again, I think he's an upgrade from what they ran out there last year. EH, how say you? I'd take Kaepernick and Gore. Yes. I would take Romo and Murray. Uh, I would take Cutler. Oh, you think Romo and Murray? Absolutely. Let's, let's forget that. Let's let's not let's not forget that Adrian Peterson probably still is the best running back in the game. Yes, and clearly he oh. has such an impact on the game that the Vikings went, what, 5-10-1? <laughs> yeah, he's so great. But the year before that, they made it to the playoffs. Made what about him? You want it? Do you want? A, what's the gulf between Michael Vick and Tony Romo right now? What, what's the gulf? I agree there. there. It, I'm it's, saying it's, don't. It's way bigger than the gulf between Adrian Peterson and Demarco Murray. And what position's more important, quarterback or tailback? That is true. What, the, obviously, quarterback is more important. But I do believe that the di- difference between Murray and Adrian Peterson is, but you equal to, if not more than, the difference between Romo and Vic. But you do make an inter- the two of you actually bring up an interesting point. You could almost say, yeah, I mean, Adrian Peterson can rank wherever you want to rank him. He's top three, but you know the the esteem that I think we collectively have for Mike Vick at this point is so low. Right. You could almost name any duo, and would you'd rather have them ahead of that, even with Adrian Peterson as a part of the duo? You would have Andy Dalton, and that would be worse. What about uh, Alec, Alec Alex Smith, Smith and Jamal Charles? I think that's. I mean, that's the one. That's to probably me that's definitely off, better. That's like I'd top, agree. That's, that's definitely three, better. Right? That's top three. I would agree there. Alex mm-hmm. Smith and Jamal Charles is. Uh, oh, yeah. I agree. It's better, I agree. It's better than Vic Jamal and Peterson. Charles is better than Peterson MVP at this point. Yeah. MVP season. I, yeah, that's I agree fair. with that. I do want I to talk put, about that, would, too. I think uh, the Vic and Adrian Peterson one would be probably equal with RG3 and Freddie Morris. 
Oh, about, I think I don't hmm. think it's I don't think it's as that good. I'd rather have the Redskins do. If really? you had to draft them, I would take their I would take RG three slash. Yeah, but, now, but now you're getting into a whole another realm because we have to remind ourselves that Adrian Peterson's going into his eighth year. I mean, you know, that's when the great mm-hmm. ones start to slow down. Mm-hmm. I mean, he may have one, maybe two big time productive years left, and that's it. I agree with that. And speaking of guys that are long in the tooth, we now hear that Peyton Manning is ready to go for his what will this be, his seventeenth season? Yeah. Um I feel pretty good. Not that I'm rooting for it, but I feel like my prediction is going to play out, which is, I said during the season, Peyton Manning will never win another Lombardi trophy. And what about that? So, by the way, Peyton Manning and Monty Ball, I guess no Sean will be gone, but I think that's ahead of Adrian Peterson and Mike Vick. You shake your head at that, Black Tie? I do, yeah. You'd rather have Mike Vick. I'm not saying I'd rather have him. I'm just saying on paper right now. Just in, in a sense, almost even forget the impact on the game. Just taking the duo, like the combo, like what's better. I, Monty Ball hasn't done anything yet. I, I, I haven't seen anything for him to believe that he's going to be yeah, like what Eddie to, Lacy did. Like, no, he started to come on though at the back end of the season. And Peyton Manning versus Mike Vick is talk about a gargantuan difference. Agreed. Um, but that said, if Eric Decker, it's looking like he could go to the Colts and uh, Egan, Andrew Luck what an and Trent offense. Richardson. Vico AP. <laughs> I don't think. And I don't. I wonder if Trent Richardson will be the starting back. I actually saw him at the airport on my way back from Indy. Oh, combine. congratulations! Check it in himself, like name oh. dropper. Hey, handsome. I'll start with you. What do you think? Obviously, we have to see how free agency plays out, the draft, and so on. But Champ Bailey now gone from the Broncos. Yep. What do you think? Uh, what? What? Do you, how do you forecast as best you can here in March the Broncos' chances? How big a regression do you anticipate, if any? Uh, I, I think they will probably regret. When you look at the season that Peyton Manning had, I don't think he's going to put up exactly those numbers again. So we could probably all agree on that, right? So let's sure. say they regress a bit. I think that the Chiefs are going to spend a lot of this offseason. You know, the Chiefs were pretty close last year, trying to shore up what went wrong with their defense in the second half of the season and probably looking to add a playmaker on offense at the receiver position. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe tight end, just so that you know they can do a little bit more. The Chargers look like they were on their way up. Uh, the Raiders certainly, you know, should or should have an opportunity to be better. They should add a few decent players in free think, agency I with their the, loot. I think the Broncos probably still take that division. Well, right now, if you ask me, I think the Broncos still probably take that division, but I think it'll be closer than it was before. EH, and also let's factor in a continue. Uh, well, we're all getting older uh, each second, but I mean, Wes Welker now officially long in the tooth and has been bonked on the head quite a bit over the course of his career, so that's another factor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, this morning I was on AM with Clinton Portis, and I, you know, I'm looking at him like, I had to remind myself, wow, he was traded for Champ Bailey. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, it's crazy like, to think, huh? It seems like forever ago that Clint right. Portis was playing. We need more trades. Yeah, no, that was definitely. an awesome trade uh, that was a decade it was today. ago. It was today, a decade ago, when it, however long it was. It was March 4th now, that, now that, that trade actually happened. On. Now, that I didn't know. Uh, but he, he floated the idea of Chris Johnson going to the Broncos. Hmm. And I thought that was interesting. Might be a pipe dream, but... I don't know that Monte Ball by himself, I, I think it helps to have him paired with somebody. And, boy, if Chris Johnson went to Denver, that would be awesome. Maybe it would resuscitate his career, which seems to be fading really fast. I don't think Denver's going to go down that much because even if Peyton Manning's numbers go down, uh, I think their defense is going to be better. I mean, there were times last year where their defense was horrific, and they had injuries in the front seven. And, guys, Champ Bailey got hurt last year. and He, he barely didn't, he played. Didn't, right. He didn't play effectively really that when he did play. So I don't know that that makes a big difference other than perhaps the leadership community angle. 
Well, and they also, so if we assume that uh, DRC, Dominique Rogers, Cromartie is gone, and Champ Bailey, now you're the what you went into 2013 with is your two starting corners will both be gone. Chris Harris coming back from a knee injury, so the back end is is in question there in Denver. I do think the defense will be better, but that offense has to regress. If you're, you're you know you figure that uh, Wes Welker is a diminished version of himself, sure. Decker gone now. It's Julius Thomas who's. Sort of feels still like a wild card. I'd like to see him do it a second I, year. I understand that, but we've also seen Peyton Manning do it with Austin Collie and Jacob Tammy, and I'm talking about over his career making very average parts look really good. And you mentioned DRC. DRC is going to be a bigger loss for them than Champ Bailey is. If we're just talking about between the lines, yeah, I think at this from point. last year yes, to, uh, to this coming year. Rank, I'll say you. The Chris Johnson thing is interesting, but if they spend more money. On the offense, they're really selling themselves short. I feel like, and I'm not necessarily saying that they'll draft a guy like Marion Grice, but somebody who can, they can get in those late rounds to just come in and be the guy that they hoped Ronnie Hillman was going to be right. before he started fumbling. Right. And Grice kind of fits that mold. If you saw him play a little bit at Arizona State, I really like him. I really think he's going to have a, a good season coming up. But I'm of the belief that Peyton Manning will be just as good, if not statistic-wise, better this coming year. Because, I mean, you look at his career. He's been blown out in his last two Super Bowls, and the only thing he really has are those regular season records to where it's like, you know what? He probably realizes, like, I'm never going to win a Super Bowl again, so I might as well go out and have these prolific seasons. I'll go out and throw 70 touchdowns, and hopefully that'll be enough. Glib is that sound. It's not glib. That's, I think, but I, but I, I do think that um, – at this age, there are precious few examples for him to look to. I mean, uh, uh, with this success at this age, obviously he had the all-time season, right. so I'm sure he has a different level of confidence going into it. But, I mean, really, Warren Moon had a great year when he was 40. John Elway won a Super Bowl when he was 37 or 38, was it? 37. What, 37 when he won that, but it wasn't as though he was still his old. Five's penultimate year in Minnesota. I think he was probably around the same age. as oh, 39. Yeah. Oh, really? All right. Yeah. So I guess there are some examples. I stand corrected. I say, though, Rogers Lacey. And what of, I do. I say yeah, that. That was the question. How do we? How I do we, brought it back to that so we could yeah. move on here. But, uh, you know, and here's another one to play Homer for you. How about Roethlisberger and Levy and Bell? That ain't jive. I'll right. take that over I'll the, that the too. If you're talking upside, that absolutely uh, is better. Yeah. Levy and Bell's, what, 23 years old? Ray Rice 22? and Joe Flacco? Mm. Uh, Ray Rice last season? No. Yeah, we'll see how much Ray Rice. I, I mean, legitimately, I'm interested to see how the league handles that one. I mean, right. it's pretty damning stuff. On video, I can't imagine that he wiggles out of that. And then on the other hand, Kamish Goodell is not a court of law. He He's rather the head of a corporation, so he can determine how he wants. You know, Roethlisberger's Did you watch the Ravens last year? Yeah. Ray Rice didn't wiggle out of much last no, year. <laughs> True. Yeah, you know, I, I'll be – it's going to be interesting to see because he has a pristine track record. And Roethlisberger, for instance, then did go down for four games because it was a well, – I forget how he how, – Kamish Goodell um, phrased it, but it basically there's a pattern of trouble here, whereas Ray Rice has none, but it's you know pretty severe, yeah. ugly stuff there. So I wonder if, if – I assume he'll have to sit for a little while. Anyway, enough about that ugliness. Move on to the next thing on the blacklist. All right, guys, with the draft coming up, let's do our f- – First ever live DDFP mock draft. It's vers- version 1.0. You know, DJ does his fancy stuff online. Bucky Brooks, Matt Money Street, all those guys. Let's do ours collectively right here, right now. Top five picks starting with, we'll go Dave first, picking for the Texans. 
Hank picking for the Rams at number two. Rank picking for the Jags at number three. EH picking for the Browns at number four. And I'll go five with the Raiders. All right. You go four. You want me to go I hate four? The number four, yeah. I'm going five. All right. I'll go four. Wait, I'll go four. Oh. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'll take the Jags. All right. I'm going to trade my pick. Oh, stop it. To, no. Uh, all right, so the Houston Texans, number one overall. I've made the case for Johnny Football because, again, the Texans are this franchise that's been around now for a little while, and they've had middling success. They've had a couple of years. Their window um, for a Super Bowl felt uh, felt larger two years ago and three years ago. But, you know, Gary Kubiak, yeah, now the turnover. The Don't tell me. I have 15 minutes Don't or 10 minutes. No. Bill O'Brien now, start of a new day, a QB guru by most accounts. It seems to make sense, and Matt Schaub was, and, and the other fellas were a real deficit for that team last year, whereas J.J. Watt, perhaps the dominant defensive player. I think I love the idea. Again, the Texans, they don't have a vibe to them. There's nothing to them, really, even though we know they have good defense and running game. They're, they're not in the zeitgeist. There's, uh, you know, for, they're kind of like the Jags. They're, they're not cons- we don't consider them the way we do other um, longer-in-the-tooth franchises. Johnny Football would give them something, especially in the state of Texas, to take the A&M kid. And yet, Jadavian Clowney, you can't pass on him. He was gangbusters at the Combine. Imagine that defense. They would be dominant. But then I think about Johnny Football. He's just not a slam dunk, Johnny Football. I'm taking Jadavian Clowney at number one. Move on to the, to, to, uh, the second overall pick. Uh, okay. Thank you, Dave. That was a long-winded I was figuring I it, it out. Was, I had to figure it there. out. There was drama there. I, like I didn't know what to do. So I'm the St. How Louis about Rams. Sammy Watkins at number one? Now, all right. I'm, I've made my choice. Okay. Jadavian Clowney. All right. I'm the St. Louis Rams. I don't have hair as good as Les Snead, but it's it's all right. Um, nice so head of hair. There's, there's lots of things I could do. If I think if I'm the Rams, what I'm really hoping is that one of the teams that desperately needs a quarterback, and that's basically everyone below me. Let's say I'm set with Sam Bradford. I at least admit that I'm going to have to stick with Sam Bradford. It would seem this that they have decided. This is a season for Sam Bradford. But I thought 2013 was. But I, anyway. I agree. And it, and I think he, he was almost he saved by the injury. Uh, exactly, and he broke. So let's he's going to make it this year. So... The, the the question I have is, do I take an offensive tackle? There's a couple of, you know, Jake Matthews and Greg Robinson are the two, I think, highest-rated offensive tackles, and I haven't spent a lot of time looking at their film yet. Oh, I'm Daniel sure Jeremiah and Matt Money-Smith and right. Bucky Brooks and everyone else that uh, Black Tide just threw out there, they are in love with Greg Robinson, Greg Robinson the tackle like. out of Auburn. They right. say that this guy has huge upside. And yet, for a casual fan, it just doesn't feel exciting. It's not exciting. Yes. Right. So then the other thing I might do is say, well, look, I'm committing to Sam Bradford. This guy, Sammy Watkins, today, Mike Mayock, I'm speaking to you on, on Thursday, Mike Mayock said, and his pro day, uh, Clemson's pro day is today, Mike Mayock said he ranks among the best receivers he's seen over the last decade. That's Calvin Johnson, that's A.J. Green, that's Roddy White, that's Larry Fitzgerald, that's, you know, all those big-name receivers that you think of now mm-hmm. in the NFL. He's put he's instantly putting him amongst those. So if I really am into Sam Bradford that much, why wouldn't I pair him up with a guy that good? Say his, Remember his what he did say about Tavon Austin. Not to say Tavon Austin cannot become what Mayock said last year, but Mayock, you know, he did love Tavon Austin a bit much last year no, as well. No, but this is different. This is, this is 
Tavon Austin was that sort of jitterbug. He can do all kinds of things. Percy Harvin what, what liked Mayotte it. What Mayotte liked it was his exactly. Yeah. Mayotte liked his speed. No reason you can't so have them both. Yeah, totally. Right. I agree. Yeah. So and that's nice. Yeah. You, how much better would Tavon Austin be when he's not seeing the 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 top cover corner on the other team every right. week? Right. They still have Stedman Bailey on that team too. That's, that's right. The he's problem solid. with them is is Schottenheimer. Like yes. he's if, he if Sammy top. Watkins goes there as a fantasy person, I hate that. Because that's going to be a great well, player. Well, Schottenheimer's not clever, but if if he has a dominant number one, it's hard to screw that up. As right. it's hard oh, to no, screw that's, up. That's a bad throwing coach. jump balls at, I at, think at right the big now, guy. They, they've got exactly they've got some smaller receivers with a lot of speed, but they maybe don't have that, yeah, that well, big guy. And so then, so then, well, sorry. Sammy Watkins. No, no, you go ahead. Well, no. So then, I'm what I'm thinking is like I, I don't I, like I, this group thing. Nobody helped hey, me when exactly, I was making my exactly. pick. So I would I my ideal world I would be waiting for that trade if I'm the Rams hoping that I can make. All a right, trade. but you don't get to All do right, it. But I'd, let me talk. Let him talk. I, I'd be waiting for that trade because I think I think a team will trade up with me for a quarterback. That said, if I was able to trade down, I'd take an offensive tackle because the three good ones in this draft. And then I, you know, if I trade down five picks, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get one of those because these guys are all into into offensive tackle uh, into quarterbacks rather. But because you're making me stick at this pick. I'm going to take Sammy Watkins. I don't care. Look, I've got Jake Long who, who can play left tackle. Yes, he's coming to the end of his career. He's breaking down, whatever else. But why am I going to draft another guy to play left tackle when I spent a bunch of money on, on a left tackle last year in free agency? Let's stick with Jake Long. Let's find a tackle a little later on. I think it may be a deep draft for tackles. We've got Sammy Watkins. How can we lose? Hey, and by the way, L.A. loves some flash yes. and dash. So we're really going to embrace Sammy Watkins <laughs> when the Rams return to Los Sorry, Angeles. Sorry, long-winded way of no, saying it's okay. taking Sammy I Watkins. Was, I was just going to say, let's not forget when we start poo-pooing Austin or, or we bring up Stedman Bailey, wide receiver is the hardest position to adjust oh, yeah. for a rookie player. I'm I mean, po- I didn't poo-poo anyone. Well, no, but I mean, everyone like was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs over Eddie Lacy last year. What Keenan Allen did was far more special. Right. Because if, because I can name a laundry list of guys that tore the NFL up in their rookie years of running back. Try right now naming wide receivers that tore it up as rookies. Not I mean, Randy Moss, uh, Terry Glenn was really solid as a rookie. A.J. Green. Chris Chambers. You know what's Chris Chambers. <laughs> I, it, it, it's obviously, I'm, I'm cherry-picking the, the best example of what you're saying is people will go back and look at Jerry Rice's rookie season. In total, you'll look at the numbers and say he had a pretty nice year. He had one monster Monday night football right. game Against the Rams, at I the think. back end of the year that inflated his numbers. I think he caught three touchdowns or something. So he doesn't look that bad. But he had, for the, for the vast majority of his rookie season, not even especially great. And that's with Joe Montana in his prime. And all that, and he wasn't especially uh, standout. Rank? Oh, oh, no, wait, not rank. Yeah, he rank. even made no. It's ranks. Rank. Oh, oh, rank. No, I'm sorry. Up. Okay. And I'm so, number four. Uh, ranks three and four. Okay. So with Greg- the third pick in the 2014 draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars select. Well, when you look at it, Khalil Mack is the guy that a lot of people are, including our own Daniel Jeremiah, are projecting to go at that number three spot with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Gus Bradley, a defensive-minded guy, makes a lot of sense. It's a, it's a savvy football move, but I'm a little bit of a wild card, and I'm going to start thinking a little bit outside of the box. Khalil Mack, he played for Buffalo, and I understand his combine things have been great, but I'm throwing all that out the window because we're the Jacksonville Jaguars. We need to sell seats, we need to sell jerseys, and we need to be exciting. We're also going to be playing Houston twice a year. 
So I'm going to roll the dice on Johnny Football. I love and it. If, and if he if he fails, you know what? That's a Johnny Football program, problem. That's not my fault. I picked the guy who won the Heisman Trophy and was great in college. If he doesn't win and he's terrible, fill the seats. Fill those yeah. ugly uniforms. Get un- some heat on the outside of the humidity of uh, of Northern Florida. Get some get some real heat from the media here. Johnny Football. Everybody will be excited. And by the way. Gus Bradley comes from Seattle, and this isn't a perfect apples-to-apples comparison, but we can assume Gus Bradley, the architect of those Seattle Seahawks' uh, great defenses, helped uh, shape what they turned into, being a champion in 2013. So we can figure he'll do the same with that defense, you know, maybe sooner rather than later. In the meantime, who is the most like Johnny Football in the NFL? Russell Wilson. I know they're not identical either, but they run around. They run away from pressure. Their skill set is is basically the same. Their body types are. I like that. That's a that's a. I could see Gus Bradley thinking, "Hey, it worked up in Seattle. This basic uh, premise will work down here too." Plus, so, you know what? That that team could use some attitude. What a little bit of that swagger yeah. that Johnny Football is going to bring to them. Jacksonville needs yeah. that. Instead you know, of answering then, questions about, you, is your quarterback afraid to take a shot, or does he hate it when guys get in, uh, get within three feet of him instead of having the, the Blaine Gabbert-level questions? This guy's a tough guy. Yeah, I like that. Plus, he can go into Houston once a year. Yeah, that's fun, too. And they'll half, regret half, it. They'll be the, sick about it. Half the stands are wearing Johnny Johnny Football jerseys. Oh, that'd be I like that, too. All right, Black Tie, go ahead. Number four, Cleveland well, Browns. Well, the Browns, interesting. I'm going for the Browns. A lot of rumors about firings here and there, but, you know, just fits, I guess. But uh, for me, I'm going to go that, with – That was an attempt at a joke? It was a joke, <laughs> but it totally fell flat. Joke. And um, I'm just, we're just going to move on like it didn't happen. Matter of fact, I'm just going to cut it out. You better not cut it out. <laughs> All right, just moving on. So, rank still my pick. Uh, well, definitely was going to go with Johnny dra- Football. That's what happens in the draft. It is, yeah. <laughs> but with that out the way, I'm going to roll a dice on the quarterback in free agency. And I'm going to go with who I think is pro- potentially a very special player in this draft, Khalil Mack. The man looks built like a superhero. Like, he looks, he looks ready to go. He looks ready. His, you know, physical prime, all that stuff. I can see him definitely being in the line of like a Patrick Willis, Luke Keekley type uh, player. So I know I feel like he's a sure bet. So I'm going Khalil Mack, make that defense even a lot stronger with Joe Hayden in the backfield. And uh, roll the dice on a QB and free agency, maybe a Schaub or a Vic. Can I say, I, I mean, that's an interesting pick, I think. I think that also... I love, you know, the Falcons a couple of years ago. Now they had a terrible 2013 because Julio Jones got hurt, but it was an interesting double down that they, that they did and really sort of wrested control of the NFC on, uh, to some degree by having Roddy White and Julio Jones and Tony Gonzalez that it, to draft into a position of strength. If you have Joe Hayden on one side and then Justin Gilbert, who was lights out at the combine, imagine that, that you would have, that basically if you're the, if you're the, uh, if you're the Ravens, Steelers or Bengals, and you look out at that at that Browns defense and say, "Well, where are we throwing the ball? Are we throwing it Hayden or Gilbert?" That that just sounds scary to me. And to dominate one phase, one element of one side of the ball would be would be hard for me to pass up. Yeah. It's sort of it's sort of like you know Jeremiah said the Browns should take. Uh, Sammy Watkins, if he's available, to go along with Josh Gordon, because how are you going to handle that as a defense? Same thing on the other side. I agree. I agree with that, but I think it's easier to do that if you have your quarterback. And the, when the Falcons did that, they had Matt Ryan. If you're 
Cleveland and you're sitting there essentially with no Fair one, point. it's pretty difficult to say let's double down on on a position of strength and uh, and and not address the big big question mark. Yeah, but but they, sh- well, well, they do have the 26 pick too. Don't forget, right. and they supposedly covet uh, the uh, um, Derek, ca- Carr. Uh, Derek Carr, right? But the Browns' defense is already kind of good as outside linebacker, really. I, but I guess you know they just the guy, lost to Quell Jackson, older veteran, but. He he would definitely make them a lot better, though. I okay. think Khalil Mack will. It okay. would make them a depth. Like you, I can see them going from one of the top ten defenses last year to being even in the you know Panthers type. Well, I also they think in coach, most yeah. systems, not every single system in the NFL, but from what I gather, like Elliot said, uh, wide receiver is hard to walk in day one and start dominating. I think the other side of things, from a defensive side. Outside linebacker, give him few responsibilities, cut him loose, go get the QB and all that with what's already a good defense. The Browns would be scary if they went Mac too. All right, so there we go. Let's round it out. So we're just going five picks here. We're not doing so a whole review. Draft. Wait, what did everybody pick? So Texans number one took Clowney. Clowney. And then Watkins. Sammy Watkins to, to the Rams. To the Rams. Johnny Football. Johnny Football to the Jags at three. And at four, Khalil Mack to the Browns. Mack. Okay, so at five, I'm the Raiders. I've got $70 million in, in cap room. So Cincinnati is sitting there at 24, and they see that the Bucks and the Vikings are 7-8 and eight with quarterback that they could possibly have if they could just leapfrog them. So I swing a deal with Cincinnati to move 19 spots up in the first round. They send me uh, Marvin Jones and Jermaine Gresham so I can fill out two, two guys on my offense. Uh, because they've got Tyler Eifert and they've got Sanu, okay? And then they give me a slew of picks and their 24th overall pick. I pick up Josh McCown. I outbid everybody in free agency. I get him. I put him with McGloin at quarterback, and I go slide all the way down to 24. And at 24, I take the best player available. That's what, what I do. What the hell? I'm not yeah. allowed to trade out of one, but EH gets to stroll in here. Right. Just to paint a picture for our listeners here, EH is here with his iPad. You know, he has one of those <laughs> fancy keyboards. He's looking at his wiki, looking at the NFL.com site, looking at the salary cap. He's he hey, just EH, consulted. Do what you do. Char- he he do just you do. consulted with uh, Bill Parcells right. and Charlie Casserly on the deal. Well, and think about it. I mean, okay, Adam, I'll ask you. I like you're, the you're, idea. You're sitting of it. there with the fifth overall pick, and you've got seventy million dollars in cap room, and you have a roster that is completely devoid of talent. Don't you just want to grab as many talented players as you possibly can get? Absolutely. And if if Johnny Football's already gone, if Manziel's already been taken, and in this draft he's gone to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, of course I make them because that would be the only guy I would want the Raiders to have. What are you going to do? Pick Mike Evans? Like it'd be fun. You could go pick. What do you, you mean? Know, what are they going to do? They could take Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles. Uh, if Sammy Watkins Bortles. were there, if Sammy Watkins were there, I would have taken it. I don't think the Raiders are in love with anybody. They're in the they're in the worst spot right there because there's so many guys that would be good for their team. Johnny Manziel, Sammy Watkins, Clowney, obviously. All those guys are going to be gone. Would you go with one of? Would you if they if they drafted Jake Matthews? Would it be that rewarding? Like, would the fans be like, "Oh yeah, good"? This is, is a left tackle going to turn around your team when you're pick. devoid of talent? No well, NFL when you team don't would have igno- a left tackle currently, which is exactly the situation they're in. If they let Valdez. Walk if, in free agency. If, Rank is if, right, though. Yeah. yeah. Rank is right, though, that the Raiders do. No no NFL team would concede. Yeah, we need something to put people in the seats. They wouldn't wouldn't make a public statement like right. that. But the fact is, the Raiders need to fill some seats. They need to get, uh, the, you know, they're, they've been irrelevant for way too long. Mm-hmm. And doing something like, uh, you know, yeah, they can't take an offensive lineman. But I do think if they took Blake Bortles, I think the fan base would be excited there. I'll tell you one thing. 
Matt McGloin is not the answer. That's that's not a long term answer. No, I, no he stinks, right? I, I agree. But, He's not an NFL caliber starting quarterback. But, but you get a guy like no. McCown as a bridge. Now Cincinnati would have to pay a king's ransom to move up from twenty four. Wait, that's, who would who would Cincinnati be moving up for? One of the quarterbacks? Yes. So you see them now taking that's Bortles? juicy. Yes. I like. Well, I don't like. I guess that, but, I guess I didn't ham that part up. There's been a no, little subtle rumors that Cincinnati's looked at some quarterbacks, but no one's thinking like first round. I just think that would be very interesting if Cincinnati said, "You know what? We really like one of these guys, and we know that Tampa Bay is not in love with Mike Lennon. We know Minnesota wants a quarterback. Mike Zimmer has flat out come out and said, "Well, they have we, to. Castle's yeah, gone. And- yeah, exactly, exactly. So if you're sitting there, you know, okay." There's a guy I like there in Tampa Bay or Minnesota. One or the other is going to take him. So who, who do the Bengals take if they've moved back up? Teddy Bridgewater. They, they just swung they, that trade they, with you. Who is it that they desperately want at, at five? You know, I was going to say Bortles, but given the way that Dalton has performed for them, I think I'd rather have Bridgewater. Yeah, I and and also not, who would not, you guys? I don't think have? I I think Bridgewater, and this doesn't really matter Bengals. to X and O's. Uh, uh, you know, has nothing to do with with the strategy of it. But it would be interesting that from Louisville to Cincinnati, it's a good regional pick. People there have gotten a lot of have gotten a good long look at him. Big East football, as much as everybody in America, you th- you, you think everybody in America is obsessed with Big East football? Well, you should go to the Midwest and hear how people in Ohio are buzzing them. Well, okay, they don't do that. But Teddy Bridgewater just the same. I was like, is that the case? I'm like, I was, you really suckered me on that one. I'm like, okay. That, oh, yeah. People that makes love, sense. People love Big East football. People people might. I don't know. You know what's interesting? I, I, I watch the Mountain West, you know, so I don't really – I can't really mm-hmm. no, look you, down on anybody. Yes. No, you can't. <laughs> All right. So is that the end of our five-team uh, five draft here? That Blake is the Bortles. end. What Bridgewater to the, to the Bengals in this scenario. Yeah. After EH's very complicated five. trade. Interesting. And, I like that. That's and fun. Then the Falcons, the then the Falcons would get either Robinson or Matthews. So they he they, ranks that guy. Who and they need the Matthews. The Falcons need <laughs> Matthews. I mean, right, wasn't the last game perfect. they played the Panthers? Yeah. They got sacked like eight times. Well, they, and Robinson's fallen to them. I mean, they're going to be licking their chops at this point. It's funny. Between five and six, the Raiders are in the worst possible spot because one of the studs that they absolutely need will not get to them. But with the Falcons, one of those linemen are going to end up falling to them, yep. be it Robinson or Matthews, and they're in they're in great shape. And that's precisely what they need. And if it was, and if not, then you just move down, or you go take Justin Gilbert or somebody like that. And, and then after that, you get some, at number seven, some poor kid, some twenty-one year old, some innocent kid. So excited when the uh, when the draft process began, it ends with him having to put on that hideous, hideous jersey. Would you stop? No Poor chance. Guy. No Poor chance kid. of the Falcons uh, just reaching for Eric Ebron, who Mayock is a tight end that Mayock, from North Carolina that Mayock loves. They lost Tony G. That offense works great with a you know athletic tight end, and no chance they do that. They're, they're like, both sides of their line have been bad, bad for so long now. Even though they just about went to the Super Bowl two years ago, they have to do if something. If Greg about Robinson's this still there, there's someone running to the podium to get to, to it's kind of card over. Yeah, if they were in a position like the Texans were, who are like the Texans are pretty much, you know, they got one play. Like they could, they could pretty much do whatever they want. They've got an embarrassment of riches because they have a pretty good team. They're not the worst team in the NFL talent-wise. Right. But the Falcons have definite needs on the line, and they have to take somebody. All right. So uh, next question here on the uh, on the Blacklist. Sweet. Just to Black recap time. on that, just to promote again, Mock Draft Weekly at NFL.com shows is coming soon with Matt Money Smith hosting. Be on the lookout for that. 
And uh, they'll be doing a lot more mock drafts, I'm pretty sure, or, on that Or show. you could go to NFL.com slash mock drafts and see all the ones that are up there right now. Boom. Awesome. All right, so the last question on the blacklist today, uh, you guys were talking about Packers, best, the best quarterback in Packers history. And obviously you guys are going to get to that debate. But before that, which debate about the best player at a specific position in a franchise history is the most intriguing? This is a, one of my favorite subjects. And, it, it, you know, Along those lines, they're pro- you know we can we can get into a bitter you argument. Want to give them of, a few examples? Of- yes, I will. I, I that's what I'm doing. Uh, is <laughs> is is we can have a bitter argument amongst ourselves about who's the best Packers quarterback of all time, Favre, Star, or Rogers, and then at number four you have Don Mikowski, who wasn't complete junk, or Lynn Dickey, though a couple other guys from our lives, um, who you know had at least a couple of decent seasons apiece. Anyway. The the thing that occurs to me is, if you see the forest for the trees, how lucky are Packers fans that over the last half century, those are the quarterbacks they've gotten to watch. There are certain franchises, certain positions within certain franchises that are perennially cursed. That's a fun thing to talk about, too. Philadelphia Flyers goalies, as a, for instance, Chicago Bears quarterbacks have traditionally not been uh, terribly good. But now we're talking about the positive. The best position on one team how do you even couch that? The 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 a franchise's um, good fortune at one position. Who has had the most? What franchise? Packers quarterbacks. I'll be a homer again, and I will say uh, my hockey team, the Pittsburgh Penguins. They've had the embarrassment of all riches when it comes to great scoring forwards over the last thirty-five years. They've got Mario Lemieux, Yarmir Yager, Ronnie Francis, Sidney Crosby, and Geno Malkin. If you made a list, if you even without Gene, I know you'll include him. If I said, get me a list of the top 25 forwards of the last 30 years in the NHL, that would be, those names would all show up on it. And they've all been on the Penguins. I'll throw that one out. Another obvious one, L.A. Lakers centers. You go Shaq, mm-hmm. Will Chamberlain, um, Kareem. George Mikan. Uh, that's not L.A. Lakers. All right, Lakers. Lakers okay. centers. George Mikan and, uh, and, and even Dwight Howard for one year. He was good. And Vlade Divac isn't terrible. No, 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 no. I didn't say. I'm talking about the, he wasn't terrible. He wasn't a bum. He was a top. He was an upper half center when he was with the Lakers was Vlade Divac. Anyway, so those are a few. Anybody else got some? You're uh, missing one. If obviously. I was. Sheck, you know, you're a big foot soccer fan that you are. Come on. D- oh, yes. One. The Galaxy. Oh my gosh! No, or the other team. This is not the, one, and from the soccer league that I can't name. <laughs> this is not one particular position. I want to see how many um, American soccer teams we can name. Do you know any handsome Hank? Um, the Sounders, the Seattle no, Sounders. Sounders. There's something called the New York Devils. New York Red Bulls. Okay. Ah, yes, I should have gotten that one. Aren't there? Is is there still a team this in one? L.A. called the? Chivas, like Chivas? Chivas yes, yeah. I was going to say that. Chivas, Chivas USA. Chivas USA. Is that sponsored by the Booze? Five, and that's it. Come on. There's one which we is something FC, like Kansas City FC. Or no, Kansas City. Real, Real Salt Lake. Real Salt Lake City. You know who would be Real great for this? Real Salt Lake. Why? The, How pretentious. ATL's, ATL podcast producer, Zach Goldman, the gold standard, he would yeah. name off all really? teams. Really? I'm sure he he's, would. He's in deep into... Everything soccer like it's a okay. weird thing in America because we don't we 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 typically are the best at every sport that we support so that's why mm-hmm. American soccer they had Beckham for a while mm-hmm. but yeah. I was, I understand that he was long is he, in the is tooth. Beckham not in our World Cup team 
No, it's not. But real quick. So, Was he uh, like a captain or something <laughs> for us? It's not a position, but Manchester United number seven through the history. David Beckham was one of them. Eric Cantona, uh, George Best, Brian Robson. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, and for my vote, I got to go with Cristiano Ronaldo for being the best ever. But the seven. difference okay. with that, and I don't want to talk about this because it's dull, dull, dull. <laughs> but you could you can hand anyone the number ten shirt. It's not yeah. like, but it's except- like it's like saying you know it's like saying hey we've it's got like a great sh- new we've got a great new defensive tackle. We love him so much here. We're number 10. That it's doesn't like, make any sense. It's, it's like, like a guys, legendary. It's not a position. It's just so they have As, to wear the In American shirt. sports where you retire jerseys, in soccer essentially you hand that down yeah, to like who you presume to Wait, be the next great. USC, USC does that. 55. Yeah. Yeah, USC that's does that with it. McGinnis, Seau. That's a good one right there. Well, then yeah. I'll give you the best unintentional uniform legacy is the Lions number 20. Lim Barney, Hall of Fame, Barry Sanders, Hall of Fame, and Billy Sims, yeah. who I think would have been in the Hall of Fame had he not had a knee injury. And that was completely that's unintentional. One our, that's one of our favorite subjects here on the on the podcast is the greatness of Billy Sims and how so history good, has man. forgotten him. Do you know, somebody tweeted this to me, and I kind of I, I found a little bit of support for it on the uh, on the Internet is that Barry Sanders chose the number 20 now, specifically. I've told you this story. because But Barry so, Sanders somebody told, tweeted me and said that he did Barry it. Sanders told this story to me. But somebody it's random on, whose name I don't know tweeted it to me. It's on, it must be true. It's on NFL.com. There's video of Barry Sanders telling me that Wayne Fonts insisted that he take number 20 to carry the legacy of Billy Sims going forward because Barry wanted number 21, which is what he wore at Oklahoma State. But he said, I grew up a fan of Billy Sims because his dad was a huge Oklahoma fan. In fact, his dad rooted for Oklahoma over his own son at Oklahoma State at that time. So it was something that he didn't want to do, but he was, was going to Your story doesn't gonna... check out. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> but I got, a, I got a couple other positions. All right. If I if I might. Uh, you may. Yankee center field. It's a great one. DiMaggio. Mickey. Man. Bernie Williams? Bernie Williams? No, no, that's that's Ricky, legit. Ricky Henderson played left for he them. He played right? left for them. Okay. You go If you expand it to outfield, I played fast and loose with uh, the Penguins because I said forward. I could just keep it to center, but anyway. Okay. But Well, then, um, if that's the case, then eight-year-old Adam would say Los Angeles Rams pass rushers. Well, let me just say, if you if, if you expand it to just Yankees outfielders, then you also get Reggie Jackson. Right. You know. Oh, yeah, so they're outfielders. And Babe Ruth. Rams pass rushers. That's a good one. Deacon Jones, Jack Youngblood, Kevin Green. That's a nice little trio. And uh, Bob Quinn. Rosie Greer. Right. Dude. Bob Quinn. I don't know. I'm a big L.A. Rams fan. Chris Long. How about I don't remember him. When did he play? (laughs) I think. (laughs) When did he play for the Los Angeles Rams? But I was going to say Bears linebackers. Bill George, Bulldog Turner, Buckus. Dick Buckus, him too. Yeah. Mike Singletary, Brian Erlach. Shame that's an, on you. That's Brian an embarrassment Cox. of riches right Shame there. on the both of us. Listen, the Bears have had some great, great linebackers, but please, the gold standard But he's in talking the NFL. Giants? Huh? He's talking about middle before you get to the Steelers. Right. He's only going middle. If you middle. want to play that game, so Because I didn't play. I didn't put Wilbur Marshall in there. I'm talking the about black the and gold standard of linebacking core the in the <laughs> NFL is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Jack Lambert. Jack Ham, uh, Andy Russell, um, Greg Lloyd, Kevin Green. You're forgetting a great Don't. one. You are forgetting. I haven't a great, even started. I'm just getting warmed up here. Yeah, I mean, but, but this guy Kevin always Green. gets forget forgotten. It, it amazes me. Joe Porter, no. Brian Hinkle, no. Mike Merriweather. Gosh, how can you leave out Hardy Nickerson? He was so Hardy. good. I, w- I would have eventually worked. Can my I way challenge up you on the quarterback? Snow? Though was he at? Was he at? 
Steelers? Percy no. Snow, Kansas City. <laughs> no, Kansas City, Chiefs, City yeah. that's right. Uh, on the quarterbacks, I'm just throwing this out there. But So if we – because you had mentioned to me in the newsroom you thought Green Bay had the best quarterback legacy ever. Just a couple of teams here. Uh, San Francisco. That's a well now with John Brody for real. John Brody, Steve, Steve Young, <laughs> Steve Spurrier, right? <laughs> Joe Montana, Colin Kaepernick, Dallas, Don Meredith. Well, Kaepernick makes them now okay. a lot closer, if maybe not even jumping past the All right, Meredith, uh, mm-hmm. who Manning just broke a couple of his records. Uh, Meredith, Roger Staubach, Danny White, at least viable. Mm-hmm. Uh, Troy Aikman, that. Tony Romo. Yeah, that's- uh, I mean, that's that's a pretty strong, and then. The one team that you would be so easy to forget, when Kurt Warner retires, the Rams are going to have had three uh, Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Uh, no. that, were, that were regular quarterbacks. Waterfield. Uh, you have Jim Everett had some nice years in nope. L.A. Waterfield. Joe Namath. Oh, we're naming who? No, but na- we name Prime but, years. Uh, pri- guys whose prime years were with the Rams. Jaworski. Who, who still holds the passing record? Norm Van Brocklin. Yeah. Bingo. There you go. Los Angeles Rams. Warner's not part of that. Yeah, that's right. I've, I've told I've told him and Marshall Falk. I said when uh, when the team moves back, you're not welcome. Um, you, can, you can go and celebrate with Indianapolis. You can celebrate with the Cardinals. But that's a fun debate, and uh, I do think yeah, Kaepernick makes them. Eh, how about your Cowboys? You left off. Um, well, first of all, Romo from your group of Cowboys quarterbacks. But no, he left. Speaking of your Cowboys. <laughs> I did leave Pleur off. What Paul about McDonald? Paul McDonald for one year? Yes. Eh. What about uh, what about talk about uniform? Eighty eight for the Cowboys. Yeah, I just I, I guess I've always felt that was a little forced because they did that with Antonio Bryant, um, you know. And I I just it was what I think Henry you were talking about right. where with a jersey. Whereas I felt like the Lions. Now I didn't know that story that you just told, but I felt like the Lions was more organic. And Lim Barney has completely forgotten about playing right, right. Hall, Hall of Fame guy. That's uh, a cool thing. I like that. They should do that. There should be teams that should try but, to push that tradition. But I can, then they want to retire the jersey, so you can't have it both ways. You either retire your yeah, great players' jersey. But practically, but you, they're going to run out of numbers. The, the longer we get as a society of, right. of, having, uh, of having professional sports, I mean, the Celtics have, I think, three numbers left that, from 0 to 99 at this point. I mean, they, yeah. they've retired everything. But what about the Seahawks legacy of eighties? And then where they've had right. Steve Largent and Jerry and Rice. Jerry Rice. Uh, <laughs> two Hall of Famers. Do you know what I found interesting was when we were at the Combine, um uh, yeah, I spent a long time looking uh, into the rafters of Lucas Oil Field and and the Colts Ring of Honor. And the Colts Ring of Honor is the least the, just the least impressive Ring of Honor of all time. So I'll, I'll just give you some names. Bill Brooks who was a adequate wide receiver, receiver for six yeah. years in Indianapolis. But, I mean, not like a guy that everyone was, you know, ever made a jaw-dropping play. Chris Hinton, who was, again, pretty good offensive lineman, but that came to them from that trade uh, that they that they did with the Broncos when Elway went. Jim Harbaugh, who was there for three years. That one I, just blows what? my mind. It's just extraordinary. Three years. Mind. It seems like forever, yeah. Tony Dungy makes sense. Uh, Marvin Harrison makes sense. Edge James makes sense, I guess. Eric Dickerson, another one where it's like not not his not his prime years. Marshall Falk again, the same deal where you're like, yeah, okay, yeah, Marshall Falk was a good player, but not in Indianapolis. Then there's of course the famous Colts twelfth man. Never what? Heard, never heard of them, but apparently they're in the rafters. Get Texas A&M as well. after them. <laughs> um, and uh, and obviously Robert Issey, the the the. The previous owner, the father of the current owner, put himself up there as well. But just a really undistinguished... I just was sitting there all day during the combine um, looking at it going, what? But they don't have any... They're not retired numbers. But they don't have any Baltimore Colts up there? 
which is awesome. Yeah. That's the way it should be. Of course. I, I, I poo-poo any Lakers the fan, LA-based Lakers fan, who cites Minneapolis don't titles you, when they argue Celtics. No, for... it's a bigger thing than what St. Louis <laughs> – what St. Louis has done – is by far the worst thing of all time. Uh, well, listen, I just am saying it's bad. And by the way, a couple of quick ones also. You say the uh, USC linebackers, the USC running backs, OJ, Charles White, Marcus, Marcus Allen, Allen. Uh, Mike Garrett Mike won Garrett. a Heisman Trophy, Reggie Bush won a Heisman Trophy, whether people he wish to it. acknowledge that or not. Lendell White wasn't bad. I mean, so anyway, that's a great one. Uh, of course, linebacker U, Penn State. They uh, that's a that's a proud tradition there. I'd say those are the best ones. I like that question though. Miami and, quarterbacks for a while. Oh yeah, oh, right. Nice yeah, University of Miami. But that went off the rails. <laughs> really? well, Once Brock Berlin got there, yeah. it just kind of went. Um, that was right. me. I, I know everybody saw that motion I was making yes. too of them going off the cliff. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, the, here's a quick question? A quick aside uh, comes to us on Twitter from at. F.C. Kendrick, uh, a proud uh, citizen of the Czech Republic, asks, uh, two guys released this week, Champ Bailey and Devin Hester, hashtag, Hall or Nothing. How about it, E.H., our, our famed segment, Hall or Nothing. This is when we address the resumes of current or recently retired football players and whether or not they deserve their gold jacket. I throw it over to you, E.H. Let's start with Champ Bailey. Is he a Hall of Famer? I would say yes. I yeah, think Hall so, too, and based on this, it's that standard that Rod Woodson, when we first played this game here in 66, applied. Do Where do you rank him among his peers at the time? And he was, you know, perennially one of the top two corners, I would say, until the last couple of years. So by that standard, yes. How about Handsome Hank, Rank, Champ, Hall, or nothing? I'm going to have a hard time with Champ Bailey. That's a no. Handsome? Yeah, I think, I mean, there's a big jam coming in, uh, you know, Hall of Famers generally. If you look at some of the guys, Elliot did a great piece for NFL.com. I'm really plugging NFL.com today. And he Elliot Harrison. And Elliot Harrison. You love him so much, why don't you marry him? Maybe I will. All right. You're welcome to. That you like awkward. to be best man? <laughs> um, <laughs> Elliot did a great piece where he looked Who at the Who am I Hall standing by? Whose side of the wedding am I on, though? I don't think Dave if cares. You, <laughs> if you two get married... Well, you're both well, handsome uh, wh- devils. Whichever way, you'd be a bridesmaid or a best man. It's up to you. All right. Um, uh, Elliot did a great piece on looking at the Hall of Fame classes for the next 10 years, guys whose careers may be coming up. It's, it's, it, it, I mean, yes. I, I, I'm not sure whether uh, he'd make it in, but it, it, there's a lot of – there's a big jam coming. What about then Devin Hester, no way. EH? I would say no, and the reason I'd say no is that we haven't broken through that special teams barrier yet, and I think that's where he belongs because he actually did get his opportunity to be a skill position player and, and proved to be a, a non-eventful, you know, circumstance. I mean, he was not really a viable uh, wide receiver. Um, and I personally, Steve Tasker to me was as dominant in covering punts and blocking punts and making tackles as Devin Hester was at returning kicks. So I would probably, I think Tasker's been waiting longer. Rank, I'll say you. Hester's in. I say in, too. Yep. I understand that there isn't a track record for it, but who better to start with? You throw, I'm not saying that's, that's true. Ray Guy, Ray Ray guy, guy did get in. Okay, right. Uh, yeah, but, uh, but uh, non-kicking, yeah, yeah, right. non-kicking members of the special teams. Yeah, I get uh, your point. Well, Devin Hester wasn't a good wide receiver, but, you know, Deion Sanders wasn't a good wide receiver either. It doesn't diminish what he did at his primary spot on the field. And I hear you on Steve Tasker. 
But where better to start than with the greatest return man ever, and that's not hyperbole. We've seen some great ones, Dante Hall and Rick Upchurch and so on and so forth. Rod Woodson was great at it and and, uh, a bunch of guys, but I've never seen anybody as good consistently as Devin Hester. I mean, it got to a point where it was like hack-a-shack, where you had to come up with a new approach. You had to come up with a new strategy to to figure him out, and it still wouldn't work. He still, If you got it anywhere close to him, he would take it to the house on you. So it was crazy. We're talking about him like he's not in the league anymore. He may still latch on with another team, but to me, he's number one. Devin Hester yesterday, just a quick aside, was in the huddle, the NFL.com uh, cafeteria. I had a delicious piece was, of fish from there. He today. was good for you, delicious. He was standing looking at the menu and uh, with one of the um, people who, who sort of look after them, uh, look after players while they're here. And he was shaking his head. To, uh, the, on, on Wednesdays in the NFL cafeteria, there's always sushi. Good options. It, uh, it's, it's made in front of you. It's pretty good. Devin Hester was going to get a burger. I, and I was standing next to him while he was making this decision. I very nearly said, Devin Hester, you are ridiculous. But I managed to um, stop Wait a second. You're, you're, you're a host, essentially, to him. You should counsel I him on what to host. eat. I stood next to the commissioner himself. In that very word. same, in that very same huddle, and didn't say it. And I almost said something to I him about almost, almost said something too. But I, I know it, but, but he was standing at the Dave Dam- to do it, He was why. standing at the Dave Damashek soup station too. I almost welcomed him, <laughs> Commissioner. Welcome. Today we have curried lentil for you on one side, and on the other a chicken noodle. You I, I encourage you, Nate. He's just a man. Why are you afraid of? Him? Then I got. Then I made him a plastic spoonful of the curried lentil, and I said, "Here, you try try open it. up. Here it comes." Here it comes. Here comes the jet commission. That's a big boy. Yeah, I did that. a big boy. I did that all in my brain. All in my mind. It didn't happen in reality. Black Tie's not listening right now. You know what's funny? You could have just told that. We wouldn't know. You're right. We wouldn't be able to to verify. Yeah, yeah, what are you going to do? do? Call the commission to verify my tale? I don't think so. You're right. Let's have Black (laughs) Tie. I'm amazed that we've gone through what? How many minutes is this podcast right now? We're creeping up on an... On 60 Minutes here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We still have a shout-out to go. Wait, wasn't the whole reason we things. got together we were going to argue the Packers? Uh, yes. I know. All right. So that's exactly what though. We got can 10 we, minutes left, guys. Before we do that, can we just cut to the chase of where this argument just evolves into a Roethlisberger versus Romo thing? Because you know that's where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> and somehow Rank works in poo-pooing Peyton Manning. Peyton's worse than both yeah. of them. Um, <laughs> well, that's not what I said. Uh, all right, so fine. That thus ends the blacklist, and now let's spin it into our featured item of. Uh, that's what we need featured from now on. Item. We now need a featured <laughs> item on each podcast. Yeah. Uh, all right, our featured item <laughs> coming on, up uh, next, eight uh, segments later on the DDFP uh, <laughs> episode. All right, let's get into it, Elliot. Like I say, you named your all-time Packers team. You did twenty-two. Men plus special teamers. What'd you do? Just kickers and punter. Kicker, I, I punter, did it. I, well, I should probably define this. Uh, I I did it as a lineup, as if you were going to field a team sure. today. So I had to leave Amon Green out. I wanted a true fullback. I took a Packers Hall of Fame guy from the '30s, Clark Hinkle. I played uh, Gilbert Brown because the Packers have never really had a space eater like that that could play nose or play inside. I'm just saying. I, I picked Clay Matthews. You went three four. I know I went four three, but I wanted one guy that that could stuff the run and play modern era. I, I looked at this as a starting lineup. So there's a kick returner, there's a punter, there's a kicker, and uh, you know, eleven Who, on offense, I, eleven on defense. Before we get into it quickly, and I did look at it, and I, I I'm not tra- playing dumb. I really did look at it, and uh, I can't remember who you had at wide receiver. Who who did you go with? There? I took, and that's actually Clinton Portis challenged me on this. Lofton one. Goes, has to be one. I put Lofton over Sterling Sharp, and people had a problem with that, and I couldn't believe that. 
that they would have a problem with that. I mean, really, Lofton is. I, Those should be your two in Greg Jennings you three. And then how about to get a demographic four. comment? You understand, you understand how the internet works. Yeah. Like most of them have never heard of James Lofton. Uh, well, the funny one was Sterling one, Sharp is still on TV, so people act like he was better. Well, this is—I know you guys will appreciate this just because of our age group. But one guy came on and said, "Are you kidding? Sterling Sharp was way better athlete. James Lofton, like like James Lofton, wasn't an athlete <laughs> at all." And you remember those shows in the six 80s? foot five? He was—he yeah. always won like the stars competition or whatever. Is that you know he was a freak athlete at his, at his time. So but, wait a second. So you don't have Sterling Sharp, which leads no. me to believe you do have Don Hudson. Yeah, I have Hudson you and Lofton. Rank. And well, I went, I went traditional. Bury your offense. head in the sand as much. I as don't you bury want. my head in the sand. It was a club sport. It was a bunch of guys. Hey, you want to go? Hey, you guys want to play a game of football? Yeah, let's go out. Uh, let's go out on that field that's a hundred yards get, long and do it. So that's I, the level of talent that was out there. Who cares what he did? And I, good, good for him. He was fast and terrific. I'm sure he was. Yeah, but his numbers are so far and away higher than. But his I. I was I was the guy covering him essentially the equivalent the 1938 equivalent of Dave Damashek was really? the guy covering him who cares that's not true that is so not true Jim no, Thorpe, that, Jim the, Thorpe that, played professional football he was fine. one of the, the best athletes, athletes were playing were, were playing baseball they were wow. on the back of a horse or they were in the uh, in the ring being a prize dude, fighter they were not they were not playing pro dude, football Red Grange ran for 368 in the mud all right great against, Let Michigan. Me, he, against Michigan you want the okay. conversation there was less teams, do you want, though do you want you want the conversation ended right here here's how you end it they used to lose to the college all-stars the pro the the nfl's pros lost to the college all-stars that's a, that when they would play one another that's all you need to know it was not uh, listen no one loves history i mean no one no, no one has more regard for tradition and old school and everything else but when people hold up the nfl as though it was baseball but in the 20s more, and 30s other, and 40s it just wasn't there's other reasons for that First of all, back then, college players probably practiced a lot more than the pro players did together. So right, because it, it was a side gig, because it wasn't legit. That doesn't mean they weren't as good athletes. They just had a more organized team. So I, I, I don't totally buy that. But I, I have a little trivia question for you. So I went traditional offense, so Sterling Sharp didn't make it. I, I, it's I like, with- I want to say this. It's <laughs> like saying the 2014 heavyweight champ of the world, one of the four or eight that they have right now, would, uh, well, he'd be as good as uh, Muhammad Ali. What, he's a heavyweight champ? It's like, well, no, it's just uh, the sport wasn't anything close to where it is uh, in, in this era. Okay. You know, it's the same thing, but so reverse. Who is the Packers tied in? Um, your Packers tight end. This is a tough one. It would be uh, Paul Kaufman. Very good. Because you don't want, correct. You didn't want to go with uh, Mark Chimura. No, well, Chewie's not allowed. You don't back. want him in the yeah. locker room, right? No. <laughs> I don't want him. There was near, a great uh, era in the early '80s that people don't know about. The the, the young uh, the young football fans don't know that there was. Uh, there was a bevy of good tight ends. There was Joe Sensor with the Vikings. Jimmy Giles. Jimmy Giles Doug Cosby. with the Bucks. Doug, Doug Cosby. Cosby. There was so there were there was a nice uh, Billy Ru- Joe Dupree was Russ a decent Francis. pat was a nice yep. Russ yeah, Francis Russ Francis was, Keller Winslow was considered Newsom. the gold standard. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Ozzie Newsome, right. Mickey Schuler. <laughs> Trying to think of yeah. them all, man. Mickey Shuler was the best target that Richard Todd of the Jets oh, had oh, to Dan throw Ross to. caught 11 Dan passes Ross. in the Super Bowl. That's exactly right. And you know, some of those guys, a lot of those early 80s guys that were, were good pros, they went to the USFL and their career. Uh, Joe Cribbs. I think Joe Cribbs would be remembered a lot more fondly had he not, you know, waltzed off. EH, Same with Brian Seip. E.H., I did an NFL. 
uh, uh, way back, and it's I think it's the least popular NFL, the animated butterfly effect uh, game that we like to play, um, where we see how history would have gone. And I did one on the USFL, and what if it didn't fold? There are a lot of guys. It's not just Joe Cribbs, but he's at the top of the list. There are a number of guys that would probably be in the Hall of Fame right now if it weren't for the USFL, or if they would have stuck with it either, or if the USFL would have been considered legit, you know, 10 years, and if it would have survived for 10 years. But listen, you had Herschel Walker. I mean, no one was affected more by that. If the USFL doesn't exist, Herschel Walker maybe would be one of the top five running backs in history. He would have his best years. They played an 18 game schedule in the USFL and he rushed for 2000 yards. But he took, you know, like like a running back, like a like like a running back does a feature back. It's not as though they were going running back by committee on the New Jersey Generals in the early 80s. He took a beating, you know. So by the time he even got to the NFL, his best years probably were behind him, or at least he was at the tail end of his best years. Here's another guy. Kelvin Bryant of North Carolina was a terrific do everything all purpose type of back who would have flourished in the NFL if he would have had, uh, you know, his entire career spent there. Jim Kelly would probably or would be clo- much closer than he already is to the all-time passing records yep. if he hadn't spent three years slinging it for the Houston Gamblers. The list goes on and on. Mike Rogier, there's Anthony Heisman Carter, Trophy winner, Anthony Carter, a lot uh, of Gary, guys. Gary Clark started in the USFL. Kids who make jokes about how the USFL and they compare it to the XFL do not know di- didn't watch the USFL. That was a legit league. It was much closer to the AFL in quality than it is to the XFL totally or agree. to whatever the that hokum what's the thing called now? The UFL? The UFL? That's gone. That's gone. gone. All right, I don't see. Well, say it wasn't legit. All right. So, Let's now begin real quick. (laughs) (laughs) On the next episode of the DDFP. Here we go. Here we go. (laughs) EH, make your case. How do you dare put Bart Bart Starr is great. Nine and one in the postseason. The all-time greatest winning percentage for a uh, in the playoffs for any quarterback ever. But all right. Bart Starr ahead of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. How say you? Well, I mean, I, I, there's, of course, the winning aspect, but you already covered that. But if you look at some of the big games, uh, I think one of the biggest games in Packers history was the 66 NFL Championship. They had to beat Dallas to, to play in the first Super Bowl, and everyone thought it was a foregone conclusion that Green Bay was just going to go to the Super Bowl and romp. Well, Bart Starr played great, and the, the fact is that that Dallas team was as good as the Packers were, and we came to find out that that Chiefs team was actually pretty darn good, too. They ended up romping in Super Bowl. Ford Star was outstanding. And to me, I've just seen too many Brett Favre Without mistakes. his number one receiver in that Super Bowl against the Chiefs. Uh, that's, worth, uh, anyway. Another great point. And the one thing Throwing about Throwing to Star, a hungover old man, Max McGee. Right. <laughs> Greatest player in NFL history. What I mean, with Bart Starr, there's always this, this idea that all they ever did was hand off. And that's just not true. In that 66 championship game, he threw for 300 yards. And he was known for throwing on third and one. Because teams were so prepared for the Packers to run the football that he would go deep on third and one, and he was effective at it. And then the ice bowl, that was his idea. That was supposed to be a running play. He knew his tailback wasn't going to get any footing, so he kept it himself. And you can make the argument that the ice bowl is the greatest game ever. It may not be, but I think it certainly merits being in the top five, and he made the big play in that game. 
Well, listen, I love his name, first of all. I mean, Bart Starr is a pretty cool name. Um, listen, I uh, I never watched him play a game. I've never seen him beginning to end uh, play. Um, and the one thing I will say is, though, it's easy for if you're in a certain mindset, if you're 25 and younger and you just look at numbers and compare apples to apples, every quarterback is going to look bad pre-1990. Yeah, yeah, and even it's accelerated beyond that exponentially into the 21st century. You know, what completion percentages were low 50s. You know, that was that was the average completion percentage for a good quarterback. They threw as many interceptions as as touchdown passes. You can't. You got to throw the numbers out. I hate that phrase, but I mean, you really do when you're trying to assess quarterbacks. You can't say well that well that guy who played in 1972. Look at it. They're putrid numbers. You know, the a crazy statistic. Probably to a lot of people who don't pay attention to such things would would be stunned to learn the first 300 yard game of Terry Bradshaw's entire career was against the Cowboys in 1979, January of 79. He came into the league in 70. What? Have they never had a 300 yard game? That's just the way it was back then. So is it better to take the numbers and compare it against his peers? I don't play that game with me because I mean I because you can you can you can. Do what I know what you're doing about Don Hudson. I'm not doing anything because I'm telling you the sport was so fringy and irrelevant that who cares what he did against anybody? It's the same I, as if if we if if we said right now down in the newsroom, hey, let's go. Anybody want to play some three on three? Yeah, well, one guy ends up being a ringer and is really good. That's the equivalent. It's it's basically like pickup. Yes, it's not the the NFL in the 30s was just starting in the 40s was just forming. It's they don't it doesn't count until 1958. Who cares? Listen, good for Don Hudson. It's great. It's not, he's in the Hall of Fame, but please let's not try to compare it like it's the equivalent sport on any level. I know, I know. There's some nuance in my point. I know that what if I told I'm saying that- it about. The quarterbacks in the 60s, 70s, 80s versus what follows. But I mean, the 30s and 40s, come on. What if what, I told Hanson, you that? Hank, you're upset? No, no, no. I'm, I'm, Are I'm, you bored? I'm, I'm not bored. I'm just, this, this, uh, the, the original debate has now gone off topic to one we've had but multiple times before. He did, he did find a way to get a Steelers quarterback yes. involved in the conversation. Woo, I did it. Don't challenge me. I'll rise to the occasion. All right. So, Bart Starr. How say you, handsome Hank? Who do you think is the best well, Packers QB? I'm going to take your point that we don't need. We can leave numbers out of this because Brett Favre obviously has the numbers, and no point in me in me saying that. We all know that fact. What I'm going to tell you is that this is a guy who started every game from '92 to '08 uh, in, or sorry, '05. No, '08 in uh, in Green Bay. This is a guy who turned that team around. They were horrible. During the eighties, as 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 we all know, again, and you know, Don Mikowski came in and sort of made it look nice. But Brett Favre turned that team around. He led them to, I think, eleven playoffs, almost consecutively. I think they had one dominated that division. Dominated that division all the way through that time. He was a three-time MVP. He won them a Super Bowl. You know, a long time removed from their Super Bowl one and two. Thirty years later, he's he's winning them a Super Bowl, and he's a guy that. You know, yes. He, if you put aside all the retirement stuff, and I think that's how we remember him because it's the most recent memory we have of Brett Favre. If if he had cut himself off at the point that he cut himself off, and just gone away, we wouldn't be having this debate. As good as Aaron Rodgers is right now, he's a, he's a work in progress, and Aaron Rodgers may only end up with one Super Bowl win as well himself. You, we wouldn't be having this debate. It's all predicated on the fact that he, Brett Favre, kind of irritated every NFL fan and certainly Packers fans at the end of his career by. 
deciding to retire, then not retiring, and then kind of messing around at the end. I agree with you, and I think this would be a much simpler argument in favor of Brett Favre if only they would have beaten the Broncos in that second straight Super Bowl. They come out of the gate, he throws a touchdown pass, does Favre to Freeman, I think, or was it Robert Brooks right at at the start of that Broncos game? It looked like, oh, they're going to house him because they were supposed to win that game. But even even that game is part of the reason why I didn't take Favre. You remember the last play of that game? He just kind of took the lollygab, uh, lollygab back, you know, just flicked the ball, and I think it was Mobley right. knocked it down. It just looked like no sense of urgency. No, you know, I'm just out there winging it. You know, listen, I, I like the out there winging it. It's fun to watch. Sometimes Romo's driven me nuts there. That way I brought a Cowboys quarterback in. It's with done. <laughs> but but you want to see that 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 Tom Brady, we're going to lose over my dead body kind but of the, attention to detail. And I, I didn't see that in that Super Bowl from Brett Favre. Right, but I don't want to get into semantics here because we're talking about the greatest quarterback and we, we, we don't know what we're basing greatest on. But part of the reason that he's so beloved to Packers fans is that he would get, themselves, get himself in those situations, get the team in those situations, mm-hmm. and provide incredible value for money for Packers fans because he'd dig you back out of that situation I, as well. And so when you talk about greatest, like... A glowing memory of a guy, Brett Favre. Yeah, he did some of those things that that you know you have to kick yourself for. But every, for every one of those, there were probably two or three where he's like, "Oh my God, he just delivered us this incredible victory." Because I, right, there's because something he got. He dug the hole himself. Right, there's a mystique there that is that is earned, and you know the 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 relationship with the fans and the whole the, the grass field and Lambo and all that. And for what that's worth, however much you can uh, you can impart that into the conversation, I wonder too if he didn't retire. Of course, because he retires and then thinks better of it, and by then Thompson and McCarthy say, "Sorry, the you know we've left Sure, You know we're going with Aaron Rodgers now." Wonder if he hadn't, would they have just let Rodgers rot another season or maybe even two in favor of Brett Favre? Because the, I agree with you that our perception is, and, and Brett Favre is one of those guys out of self-interest who says, oh, I don't care about what you say about my legacy. My legacy is what I say it is. No, I think what we're going to remember you for, I mean, maybe in 40 years, people just look back at the records and hail you without objection. But I do think we all kind of look at Brett Favre, and, and that's what we, you think of now, is that the Vikings right. crap and the Jets stuff is even worse. All that stuff. But it also does obscure kind of what EH is getting at. It was a long stretch there. After that Broncos Super Bowl, he was getting into that sort of, uh, you know, dare I say that Peyton Manning area of perennially delivering the playoffs and then once there coming up short and throwing the decisive bad ball that knocked him out of the playoffs. And he was doing that a lot. I Yes. You no, you took the Peyton Manning bashing that you said I was going to delve into. <laughs> I, <did. laughs> so, I want to ask you, Adam. I, I want to say I want to ask you, Adam. So Dave mentioned what he what what would you say would be a good stat line for a 1960s era quarterback? Like today's Aaron Rodgers would do what in the 60s? Today's Aaron Rodgers would throw for about 268 and. Possibly two touchdowns. Okay, completion. Per, so same number of interceptions. What would his completion oh, percentage no. be? Like around fifty, maybe around fifty. Okay, he'd complete eleven of twenty. All right, and if he yeah. threw two touchdowns, he'd throw at least one interception, if oh, not two. Probably two. Okay, Bart Starr in ten playoff games, and this is in the nineteen sixties. Okay, sixty-one percent completion, fifteen touchdowns, 
three interceptions. That's a five to one ratio in 104 quarterback rating. 104 passer rating in the 60s would be like 130 well, now. Yeah, he holds the all time. He still holds the all time, unless Peyton Manning broke it or something, but he holds the all time record for postseason passer rating. All right, let Which me say this. But uh, do I not get a vote? You get a vote. Go so, ahead. What's your vote? Jim McMahon. <laughs> he won a Super Bowl. Right? He won a Super Bowl with the Packers. <laughs> I got Can I not? Can I not do this? Where we pull in a quarterback from our favorite team into the conversation? Oh, there except, you go. All right, except all right. this one is out <laughs> all right, fair, because fair. he played for the Packers. All right. Well, listen. But let I, me no, say I, this. But no. But I said, like I said three years ago, when I was a fat man, Bart Starr, because <laughs> he won, and his passer rating in the playoffs is fantastic, and those were dominant I teams. I like he, winners. I'm with you guys. Aaron Rodgers is not just the best quarterback now. He will go down as oh the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL. Listen, fellas. Do you not, do you not think he's going to start, like, he's won that one Super Bowl, and he won it early, and everybody just assumed he was going to win multiples, but now he's in that he's in that. Range now, I've been saying this guys. since well before he won that Super Bowl. It's not as though I decided I it after the fact. But, but, but he's getting in that dangerous territory of throwing away. Make, look at it. Look Aaron at it. Rodgers now has. Aaron, listen, that was a. By, that that's, playoff game against the Giants was very telling. Like, that's one. That, that wasn't his. That's, you can't put that one on him. Mm, you can't put the loss against the Giants when they're 15 and 1 on Aaron Rodgers. Don't go Manning fanboy. No, 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 defend, no, no. See, now you're, you're starting to get into that territory where Absolutely. it's always. Absolutely not. He the pass the the pass catchers drop ball after ball. Plus, Akeem Nix catches a fluky whatever. The Hail Mary it counts. It counts. I, yeah, I but the Giants. Wait a minute. The Giants put it to him. That was not a close game. The the Giants at Green Bay. I mean, it, it was one of those games that looked like but it, it was might one, be close. It was one of those fluke kind of games where you have a Hail Mary and you had these crazy broken plays and you had tons of drop passes out there. Aaron Rodgers was the only guy playing that day for the Packers. He made he kept he was under severe pressure. You could say the same thing about the Super Bowl, Rashard Mendenhall's fumble and and uh, Ryan Clark barely missing on it. I mean, you know, the Steelers well, could have won that. that Steelers could have won that Super Bowl. How so do you it goes both your ways. Fandom of the Steelers and the your secret fandom of the Packers. I make Especially no sense during secret. that game. Because you Especially love Dom Capers. That That's the answer. That's exactly right. It goes back. It there is. were some roots. No, first of all, I love A.J. Hawk. But secondly, I love Aaron Rodgers. No one, he until this year, with Eddie Lacy, he had, I mean, James Starks was the feature back. I mean, the, 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 this is this is a, a a team with zero running game, and so he carried the load, yeah, literally. Yeah, Brett Favre had all those great running backs. You know, Amon Green? Amon Green was good for a while, but... Dorsey- Amon Green is close, comes up short of the Hall of Fame, but was a very good runner for a half dozen years with the Packers, at least, not to mention Dorsey Levin. Travis was, Jervy. All right. <laughs> they weren't all good, but they were better than what Rodgers had. Rodgers has... The best, for what it's worth, this doesn't mean Joe Montana didn't have the best arm in the world and and a lot of great quarterbacks, but for what it's worth, Aaron Rodgers has the single best arm in NFL history. Of any, no of a, way. I've no talked a lot of people no about this. Way. No way. Who's got, who's got a better whip? Uh, Joe Namath, bar none. Forget it. I mean, all you have to do is see some of the films before his knees were completely shot. His footwork. All right. Even Bill Walsh, who had Montana and had Steve Young, said that Joe Namath was unparalleled. All right, best arms, best pure arms. First of all, I mean, in an era where you have Joe Flacco and Colin Kaepernick and Matt Stafford and Jay Cutler, I've talked to all. I've talked to lots of NFL players about this: mm-hmm. defensive backs and quarterbacks who see it all. Mm-hmm. 
they all say it's Aaron Rodgers. There's well, something right different now. about. Maybe there's right something now. different you about. Said the, all time. All right, Elway, Bradshaw, Brett Favre, Marino, Brett Favre. When you, when you Rogers consider, is right there. When you consider release. I think Marino, because Marino would get the ball out faster. All right. Marino's close, but let me tell you something. He, the the ability to pull the, I've never seen it with my eyeballs. And this is the pure observation, anecdote from someone who doesn't operate on the uh, on the, uh, uh, on the uh, minutia of the X's and O's as, as deeply as, let's say, you do, or uh, Elliot and, and uh, you know, coaches and everything else. But there's just, your naked eye tells you it all. He delivers the ball downfield on a rope with zero effort. I mean, in the flick of a wrist, he puts it on a guy halfway down He's the great. field in the blink of an eye, and the DBs, their reactions tell you all you need to know. Take they yourself. look behind them like, what? what just happened? How'd that ball He's get great. behind me there? That's great, but take yourself back to the mid-90s. Every game, the Packers would be on, did it be on Fox, John Madden would be calling the game, and what would he say every time? Whoa! Look at that ball Brett Favre just threw. It was—it's on a rope. I mean, that was that. And Favre didn't the have thing. the best arm. Jeff George did, just for the record. In that now, era, that's, that's yeah. interesting. All right, maybe, maybe, else, maybe it's a little that. bit of hyperbole. Say he has the best arm, but I do think the combination <laughs> of the—I mean, like you say, Namath, Marino, Rogers—in terms of combined release, the 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 quickness of release. And then the uh, uh, you know pure the, throwing. That the, then w- w- yeah the 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 heat on that ball. And if we want to go rubber arm, you got to throw Warren Moon in there. Holy cow, that guy threw a great ball, and he threw it until he's darn near fifty. Aaron Rodgers has made stars out of Greg Jennings. How good was he last year without Aaron Rodgers? I think Aaron Rodgers is great. I only have one hang-up with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you take the Russell Wilson. Uh, and by the way, he could make plays that neither true. Star or Favre could ever make with the legs. But the one problem he has in his career, it helped him to get hurt this year, uh, is the fact he holds the ball too long. Mm-hmm. He still does. He holds the ball. That Seattle game, the fail Mary, I think the Seahawks had eight sacks in the first half of that game. He just he waits and he waits and he waits and he waits and sometimes it, it bites him. In fact, against the Niners, I think you sent a tweet out of, about this, Adam. They wouldn't even been in the game if their lineman didn't just completely chokehold on yeah. on another play that Rodgers held the ball too long. He's a he's probably the best quarterback in the league. But you're talking about best all time. I, there's no way I put Aaron Rodgers over Tom Brady. There's just no way. Hmm. No way. Interesting. And Rank says shortbreads the best Girl Scout cookie. I don't know what to think. It's all confusing. All right. You know what? I've had it with all of you. Get out of 66, the lot of you. I'm going to get out of here, too. Elliot Harrison at NFL.com. Again, the all-time Packers team available for you there. Rank you have on NFL.com. Tons of stuff. Uh, Just go to NFL.com. Yeah. Google Rank. His stuff will come up. My interview with Aaron Paul will be up there by day's end. Again, this is Thursday, and Handsome Hank is setting it all up there for you. And you can always tell which ones he likes best because those are the ones that are the highest on the uh, page. <laughs> right? That's not how it works. <laughs> what about Jeff Blake? He could throw a nice ball. No? Yeah. Jeff yeah. Blake, anyone? No? Cade McNown? You do it through. Jeff Blake, Jeff Blake, and here, I'll say one thing, and then Black Tie gets upset. But I want to say the thing about Russell Wilson he conjures memories of Jeff Blake for me and Jay Schrader in that they oh. those three guys the moonshots when they threw a deep ball they would yeah they would throw it above the state I wonder if, like it would I I think Jay Schrader would hit the scoreboard in Cowboy Stadium if he tried to throw oh a you know who was the best at that that was, really hot what what that what was the point of that arcing Pat O'Hara was the preeminent guy who could do that kind of stuff. 
former USC quarterback. I don't think he lasted very long in the NFL. But he, I think he might have gone to San Diego. He had the most ridiculous arm. It was like, to make up. It's to make up for a lack of accuracy because you throw it up and then you're like you you can run around can underneath run under, it. Yeah, you know, waiting to uh, to catch it. Pat O'Hara used to go at practice and he would throw. He would simulate the punts like his arm was like that. He would just. That's how he. Oh, before we go, what am I talking about? Real quick, I'm sorry. Elliot, <laughs> Rank, Black Tie, and. Our listeners that are abroad, they don't like hearing True Detective. But we'd be remiss if oh, we didn't mention it. About it. See, the the season is rounding out. We only have eight episodes. We're seven in. Handsome. We got one sixty minutes left of Cole and Hart. What I'm, are we going to do? And they've kind of given away the ending, or at least what you thought might be the ending, in episode seven. So episode eight, here's some... Here's my thoughts on it. All right. Some serious what, what, darkness. He's, guys, it's not telling guys, you anything. Guys, How can it you're be a, guessing. So what? if people haven't seen episodes one through seven? He's allowed to guess. Okay, well, now it's not spoilers. All right, guys. All right, so this is them. this is a point. Spoilers for True Detective from right Fine, here. Fine. You're you listening. What a hero you uh, are. What uh, a hero. Clearly for me myself, if you guys curse or do anything do wrong here, I will not be able to edit it out because I'm not listening oh, really? to this. Oh, really? Fine. I don't I'm care. Gonna, I'm gonna, all right. So, I was getting ready to leave. Thanks, Kelly and Harrison. This is an inside conversation between Shaq and... Yeah, and, uh, and anyone who By cares. the way, can I drop some f bombs before I go? Because I got I got I got episode one queued up, and I'm gonna thanks watch it to Rank and thanks Thank to Elliot and Harrison. I like to watch Mark Brunel throw the ball <laughs> He throw a moonshot on the run. Now Isn't listen, Left. let's talk. Well, all right, one more episode, sixty minutes to go. Yep. I've gone back. I have watched. I'll t- I'll say this. I can't imagine that there's ever been a TV show I've I've watched per episode more. Than I have this True Detective. I watch every episode at least four times each. I'm crazy with really? it. I'm insane you about. I'm slightly obsessive. In the last night at midnight, is- last night at midnight, I, I for some decide I have to watch episode one again, and I went back and I watched it again, and it's fantastic. But the interesting thing about that is, is that the story, the 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 Yellow King, is supposed to be this story that you're that people would read and it would send them mad. And it seems to me like you have now, but you almost entered this show. You are now watching it so many times, and it's kind of driving you mad. Dude. I'm a little <laughs> worried about right. you. I wouldn't be surprised if if I'm strapped to a chair wearing a pair of antlers with a hole in my back by the end of the weekend. It could happen, and it might not. We right. don't know yet. But I'll say this to you: I feel like. Uh, go ahead and make your. I, I want to hear your prediction on this. All right, there. See, your mic's already off, Ellie. You don't even. You can, you, you can leave. Now. We've assumed you're finished. Yes. Now listen to me. I feel this way that my because I, I, I always say I don't like to speculate. I, I, watching television and movies for me is a passive experience. This thing of like, oh, what's going to happen? Like watching Lost and predicting and theories about what's going to be. It's not that I care to solve it. I'm just so anxious already to see what see the story what is. Right. My mind can't turn it off, so I keep spinning these 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 ideas. And I'll tell you, after episode seven, I have I, I'm no closer to well, understanding than than I was after episode well, so one. So episode seven, what we've got to is we've got to the point where the guy that they've been looking for, they've I think that we've we've sort of we can assume that they're going to find him. The, the the guy with the scars on his face. We now know who this character is. But that now it's become apparent that it does, he doesn't really matter. It's the people who are with him and who are clearly going to be figures, you know, public figures maybe in terms of politicians or dignitaries somehow you know, in the state of Louisiana. So there's a, there's a few theories, but my, my what I think is going to end up is they find that stuff. Somehow one of the people involved is going to be it's going to be humiliating for Cole 
um, and Marty that it's the you know that it's this guy and either one or both of Cole and Marty are heroes up until this point who really have nothing else to live for it seems their lives are solely based around this you know solving this thing will end up dead that's my theory I have no nothing to base it on so but you that's think, how I think it ends so they, you think Hart so- or Cole dies well, potentially both of them. Both could die. In their, in each other's arms. Here's what I, I – my repeat viewings, here's what I've kind of realized. And, I, again, I'm not trying to solve the case, but your brain – if you watch something a few times, you can't help but speculate. Stay up all night. Here's what I've noticed. You have on your wall all those pictures the same as Cole, right? Here's what we know for a fact is that in the interrogation with Cole – with, I mean, with the with the two modern-day cops in 2012 that are sweating him in the interrogation room. We know that he, and then for that matter, Hart in the same room, we know that all they've done is tell lies. That mm-hmm. is what we've learned, is that reality does not equal the story that's being told, right? Yes. That is an established uh, recurring theme, is that they both have lied to the faces of these in, this, in the retelling of the story. Yes. Same for Maggie. She tells a completely different story. Essentially, when they're in the interrogation room, it's fiction. It is some it's some variation on trumped up or downright fiction of the reality. Right. Episode one, Cole sits in there and tells those two cops about the fact that he had a child once, but the child died, and it's, it's the over. birthday. It was it was the kid's birthday the day in episode one when they find the prostitute with the antlers in her head. It's the same day as his child's birthday. And he references that three or four or five times over Mm -hmm. the course of the first episode. This has to play a factor. I don't know how she is somehow. Somehow this is a thing that his dead child is somehow I don't know why I don't know in what form but that is my well, promise to you. Well, there's one girl that they that went missing that they we know the the grandparent existed but the mother and father and sort of went missing mm-hmm. and of course we don't know who the mother of of uh, Cole's kid was so in theory perhaps his daughter that got ran over maybe it's not ran over in terms of a car running someone over maybe run over by. If you Mystery. assume that whatever he has told those interrogators in episode one is a lie in the way he sets it up, because that's all we've seen since, right. is lies told to those two interrogators, then that must also be a lie. Well, the other thing that is interesting, that's, that's a very good point. The other thing that's interesting is that the, the, the you remember it started, again, if you've just watched episode one, you'll recall that it starts with a, with whoever the killer was, you know, in a silhouetted, putting uh, the, the, the dead girl by the tree and then lighting a fire. That's exactly it's right. never explained why would you, because that would draw attention to The opening to the, shot of the series right. is what Handsome Hank just described, is a shadowy figure what doing what you th- assume so is that. So why would he light that fire? Because that fire is going to mean that, People are going to, you know, if we can assume that not only has this guy done this once, but but it's been done multiple times, and yet they haven't discovered any other bodies. We just know about missing children and missing women. Why would they light the fire? Clearly, it was so that it would be the body would be found, or in the knowledge that that body would be found. So maybe, just maybe, it was on purpose. Maybe someone wanted them to find that body. Maybe it was to draw attention to what was going on, as opposed to. 
being a mystery by itself, being a, cr- a single crime. Oh, it's it's and then and then your your brain gets sucked into and just to review episode seven when Cole takes heart into his little storage thing. And I'm not sure. What do you think happens in the video, the black and white video of the little uh, girl? I, I think uh, I think I, I don't know. Bad things. Murder. And, and well, yes. And murder, sexual assault. I th- well, I think sexual assault after the murder. Yeah, that's a, the reaction. That was, was the pretty reaction. Um, but he does say, for what it's worth, anybody who ascribes to the notion that maybe Hart has something to do with all this, which I don't, because it just wouldn't. It's too, at this point, is too. It wouldn't be the, a pleasing. They ending have to not. This. Yes, it, it would be, be a clever di- ending. Right. To this whole that's thing. exactly right. They have not earned it, as they say right. uh, in the uh, writing business. It's not been earned to, that Hart could be revealed as the guy who was exactly. the evil genius behind all this. Um, but they do say, you know, uh, Cole says too hard, you know, if you wouldn't have shot Reggie Ledoux in the head, we would know, uh, <laughs> black tie just got a spoiler. <laughs> he didn't do it. Black tie. I just was making that up. If you shot Reggie Ledoux, if then you wouldn't have, <laughs> then we would have known all this stuff all along. Right. Maybe he had a ulterior motive than just to, to silence him. Yes. Maybe he had wanted to silence him. I mean, I feel bad now. Well, I really do feel bad that Black Tie behind the glass just had uh, that little tidbit spoiled. You knew that was coming. Uh, he's, that's that is past the spoiler alert. Um, uh, that's his. Date. That's, that's exactly his right, Black Tie. You did this one to yourself. You asked for this. All right, he's mad now, so we're gonna go. All right, that uh, that'll do it for uh, for this week's uh, worth of podcasting. Thanks to Elliot Harrison. Thanks to Adam Rank. Go back and dig up Ross Tucker and James Jones. Um, podcast also be on the lookout for that uh, Aaron Paul stuff I hope you enjoy that and I hope you enjoy your weekend we'll be back on the other side of the weekend to get really into hot and heavy we'll get into free agency that's going to be fun in the meantime thanks so much football fans it's been a thin slice of heaven you go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.